Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha. Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we dive into our next hour, launching week number 18 on our 52-week journey, we begin to reflect on where we've been so that we can figure out where we're going. Who wants to give a quick synopsis of where they think they've been and where they're at based on their prior 17-week adventure? Prior to 17 weeks ago, I was in that place where I really, truly was not sure what my work was. I wasn't sure what worth really is and how to honor my own work and what balance is in giving and receiving. What did that mean to me? As I've been going through this journey, I have been feeling so wonderful about all the experiences I'm having, all the knowledge I'm just everything that is happening in my world right now is giving me such a great feeling, such a good experience. I'm feeling my worth and I'm understanding what honoring the worth of other people really means. Having a gift of perspective of 
what is to come for me has been so exciting. Even if I don't know what exactly and how exactly it comes, I am excited about my life. Mm, yum! That was a tasty <laughs> dessert. <laughs> what I have gained out of this in the 17-week span, really never knowing myself, my third eye, never even knew I had an inner self. Never looked any further, never cared to. I just figured that was the way it was supposed to be. And as time went on, I realized that I'm a whole lot different person. Now I don't take the stuff that I used to take from people. It used to be such a pushover. And now it's like, don't try pushing me because you're coming up against a brick wall. And there's a whole lot of difference between one spectrum and another spectrum. I now own my mind, and I'm not letting anybody else have, it, have any part of it until I decide who it is and they better be the right person because I'm not going to let them control my mind. That's what I've got out of it. So you're becoming more confident, Carl. Is that what I'm hearing? More confident? Yes, definitely. Okay. More discerning of spirits, knowing who I'm talking to, who is good for me, who is bad for me, doing a whole bunch of that discernment. So the skill of discernment has been cut loose. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the skill of being direct has got cut loose too. No. <laughs> All right, folks, note to self, don't piss Carl off because he'll tell you exactly what he's feeling. <laughs> if I hold it back and I don't say what I feel, then guess what? They're going to be wondering how I feel. I don't want them wondering. I'm an open book. I'll tell them straight up. I have to say that I have had all those experiences that Marcia was saying that she had with the excitement of unfolding and also, the confidence rise that Carl is talking about, I felt that like a month into our journey, and it sure feels good, doesn't it, Carl? It <laughs> feels so, so yep, It great. does. Not hold back anymore and just know that you're worth it and not let people run all over you and stamp all over you. The class has given me such a rise in confidence, I've been able to do a lot of things that I haven't done in the past because fear has kept me from doing them, just the fear of rejection, the fear that I'm not good enough, the fear, all of those silly what-ifs. I can really see a lot of difference in myself, let's put it that way. <laughs> do you get the feeling that we started out our adventure Using the pool analogy, the swimming analogy, we started out our adventure in the shallow end I asked you to poke around your stuff, get a feel for what your stuff means to you, and then I said, all right, we'll go from the two-foot level to the three-foot level, and we started poking around in our skills, and all of a sudden, while we're in that three-foot level, you found yourself on the four-foot level as you're deepening your awareness that you swim with an awful lot of lifeguards at your ready, that your skills are providing you ever numbers of ways of being in the world your potential is opening up and then all of a sudden now you're in the five foot now you might be up close to your nose your water and now i asked you uh oh you might need a lifeguard might need somebody to teach you how to swim the backstroke so in chapter three we started looking at reaching out for help didn't we yeah 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 
Do you get the sense that I'm about to take you out to sea? (laughs) As we are getting into an awareness, one of the things that I asked you to do in Chapter 3, to get really grounded, page 49, I invited you to really ponder, journal, explore, dive in, four questions. And I'm going to cover those four questions with Marcia in what I would call a formal interview. And I throw the challenge, I lay the gauntlet down before you all to have this exact same interview with one person every month for the rest of your life. Miss Marcia Sortino, mm. I thank you for allowing team seekers to dive into the first question along with you. Marcia, what do you love doing? I love teaching, really diving into my own work. For me, that has been an experience that has been timeless. I would never trade it for anything else. To understand myself, to have a gift of perspective, to have all those gifts, to have the knowledge of understanding myself and being able to pass it on to others is what I love doing. I love teaching other people what worth is, what balance in giving and receiving is, how we put that all together, how we integrate it, and how we learn to build our worth and honor the worth of other people. I think that is such a gift to learn, and I love that part of it. Which naturally folds into our next question, and you've answered it to a teeny bit degree, but I'd like you to dive a little deeper. Why do you love teaching? I believe I've always loved teaching in some respect, but in this class, in teaching people worth, and then seeing those people blossom to the point where they understand the whole concept of worth and building their worth. Really, it gives me such a joy. That's why I love doing it. It's such a joy that you can fill your soul with. Being able to receive from the divine and feel that divine within you, there's nothing more joyful than seeing that happen for another person. You love teaching, and the reason why you love teaching is because as you watch other people grow, it sounds like you learn about yourself, so you get to grow too, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who else did or does what you love to do? Who else? Who teaches that you find you want to teach like they do? Well, one person that does come to mind, of course, for me, is Christina. If not for Christina, I would not be here today. I would not have had this opportunity to have you doing my classes with me. It's been such an experience to be in my other class and learning. I know I'm way ahead in, in the other class. It's funny because the chapter that we are finishing up is the chapter that I'm also doing 
in my other class. The, the, the two are integrating. I'm understanding more. There are a few other people, but I honestly, there's not too many classes like this where I'm actually feeling my worth. And there aren't too many people teaching this class, this type of experiential learning and this type of being able to use my explorer. I don't know of any other classes or any other person that actually dives into it in this manner. Because the difference for me is being able to feel my worth, not just have it as a knowledge in my head. And it's the exercises in the book. It's the actual workbook and the exercises that I get to do. And it's opened up a whole new perspective for me of what worth is, what balance is, and how to balance it by honoring my worth and honoring the worth of other people. Now, that last bit, Marcia, is the key it's the soul of pay me what I'm worth. It is the heart of pay me what I'm worth. And that is, as I grow to know myself and how much potential I have, it makes me radically realize every other person I meet has the same potential. Yeah? Yes. Absolutely. That's exciting to me. That blows my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, do you sense the value of having this 10-minute conversation with these four questions or four questions that are meaningful to you with one person a month? Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, thank you so much for giving me the curriculum for the next year of one of the courses (laughs) I teach. (laughs) (laughs) Is Chapter 3 ever done, David? Do you think Chapter 3 is ever finished? If you're all done with your life and you have no more inspiration, you have no more desire to get out there, see what you can do and what's available and who you can help today, yeah, then it might be done. It's called exiting the earth suit. And sometimes folks do that early. I personally don't think retirement is even an option. Mm -hmm. That's not even a consideration. Because when you're doing what you love, why would you want to stop doing it? So I honestly think that Chapter 3 is literally, for me, it becomes a way of life. It becomes a way of being. Oh, I've got a desire. Oh, I see where I've got some skills I need to build. Oh, who can help me? Who can I reach out to? I've got a skill base I don't have, and I'm not that interested in developing it. Who can I go get help from? And who might want to join me in my, my adventure? I'm absolutely endless. And those questions that you just asked, Marsha, are just, well, if I have him gold on a stick. The one question that I haven't asked, Marsha, and this is the question that I implore you after you've gotten to know an expert and this is a person that you value their opinion and you're learning from. The question of knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Knowing what I know now, What I would do differently, I believe, (laughs) is I would have started with my facts rather than my fiction. That was another great lesson for me, my facts rather than my fiction. I never really did take a look at it 
64. What are my facts? What is my fiction? How do I honor the worth of other people if I'm running on a fiction rather mm-hmm. than a fact? Well, you bumped into that, Marcia, yeah. with the final option on page 50. One of the ways that I invite you to get to know other experts in the field or other possible teachers or gurus or whatever term, the last item I mentioned is volunteering. For me, I have found that volunteering is like speed dating. (laughs) When I'm brand new, because I'm so nomadic and I'm in a different location so often, one of the best ways I can integrate into the community is by volunteering for anything. It could be a day-long event. It could be an hour-long event. It could be a six-month. doesn't matter. Volunteering. Because when I step into that role as a volunteer, I step into a circle of people who are committed to supporting something more than themselves. Yeah? Yes. Absolutely. So that puts me in a vibration of people already different than other types of ways of integrating into a community. Yeah, I could go to the local bar. Yeah, I could go to the local political action campaign. People who are volunteering for a particular cause, there's a different vibration there. And one of the things that you recognized during our adventure so far, Marcia, is it safe to say that you have a whole different set of eyes about your role as a volunteer with the organization that you just completed something pretty major with? Yes, it actually helped me to really take a look at my role with worth and balance and giving and receiving, how I might have been out of balance with my volunteering. In some aspects, I was because I put in a lot of time. Even that has to be balanced. So it really gave me a good perspective of what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what I need to change. That was brilliant, Marcia. Who else has a story around something significant related to volunteering? When I began college, I needed to make a little bit of funds for what I was going to study. There were different ways I could do it, but one way I chose was to work as a landscaper. I was volunteering in the sense because he needed help. I didn't really necessarily ask for a specific salary, a specific wage, a specific way to do it. I helped this monk for a while as a landscaper. And by doing that, eventually, he was able to help me in some of my other difficulties when I was starting college. So it really comes to show that if you help somebody, and I was mainly doing tasks of planting flowers, working in the garden, and other tasks, learning how to work outside with my hands. Now it's served me to work on my own yard, and it's served me to get better in college when I needed help. So, Kareem, if you were to have to go to the local community college and pay them to take a course to learn what you learned as a volunteer, what do you think you would have paid? Truthfully, I don't know if a college can teach me some of the life lessons and the life background that I've learned through what I'm doing now and who I am now. I think it would just have to come from experience. 
Bingo. So if there's a course called Life that they <laughs> offer where they can show you heartbreak, where they can show you how to get a business consultant, where they can show you how to be an entrepreneur, then I'd like to take that course. Sadly, I can't find it on a curriculum. Well, I'm trying my best to give you that curriculum. My point being is the predicament that Marsha shared with you a few weeks back and that has rippled through Team Seekers, there may be this feeling of sadness that Marsha is earning so few financial dollars for all of the work that she's doing. There could be some resentment towards me. There could be some resentment towards the structure of things. Marsha, you've told me time and time again you want to be doing what we're doing regardless of what you're getting paid, and other people will say, well, Soul, you've unduly influenced Marsha. How would you respond to that? Oh. (laughs) So if I had to learn my lesson again, if I had to have this experience, I would do it all over again just for the gift of having your presence on my call with everyone in this class because I bring to the table right now for all of us your gift of perspective, your wisdom, your teaching, and I would never trade that for anything. If I did trade it, it was worth it to me. The trade-off is so worth it to me. I don't know if anybody else can understand that, but I cannot imagine myself just being here teaching you all this course without soul. And so if this is something that you also are feeling, if this is worth it to have soul's wisdom here, his perspective, his teaching. I feel like there's a lot of perspectives that we're all picking up from you as well as what has been duplicated down from Seoul, and as well as everybody else's contributions of what they have obtained and given and done for this team. Folks, I highly encourage you to answer those same four questions in a diary post in your back office. And the reason why I very much want you to take the time to do that is because then I want everybody to go in and read what you've posted. It's time that we start getting to know each other as a team. Who are we? What do we love doing? So that we can begin to matriculate into our own consciousness. Oh, you know what? I read that Cindy likes working with animals, and I met this person who did it. And then the dots start connecting, and all of a sudden, you might just have a connection for Cindy that Cindy would never, ever in a million years have been able to find, all because you read what Cindy loves doing. That six degrees of separation that we talked about in our last class, it's time to put that notion on steroids. There are 10 people in Team Seekers. That means that there's at least 100,000 people collectively that we all know. The factor of 10, yeah? That blows my mind. There's another form of volunteering that I am sick and tired of and that it is my life's work to end. For those who are on a salary, meaning they are paid X dollars 
to do their job, whether they work 38 hours, whether they work 40 hours, whether they work 48 hours, whether they work 60 hours, whether they work 80 hours, they get paid a set rate. As far as I'm concerned, anybody who puts in extra time and is, quote, not financially paid for it by a company, for all practical purposes, they are what I call an unvolunteer. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you know are unvolunteering, meaning they don't think they have the choice? They have to put in the time. If they didn't put in the extra time, they fear something. How many people do you know like that? Oh, wow. I just raised my hand. Mm-hmm. I can't count them. Too many. They all need to be in your classes, ladies and gentlemen. They all need to be in your classes. Hello? Earlier when I was interviewing Marcia about teaching, are you all beginning to understand why I love what I do and why I'm so focused on getting more teachers? Anybody want to speculate? The purpose of getting more teachers, I think, is to allow other people to adapt to this perspective when other people say, hey, I'm getting paid what I'm worth, and then they can help their friends get paid what they're worth, and then on and on and on, domino effect. Everybody is happier, and then there's more and more people out there doing work that they love and spreading it to others. Bingo. I believe it's duplication. That's what I believe is duplication. You want to duplicate what you're teaching to so many people and start such a nice web of people that are being paid what they're worth rather than going to work, punching a proverbial time clock, and not getting paid what they're worth, and they're working extra hard because they have to do more tasks than they used to just to keep their job, to keep impressing the owner of the business or whatever you're doing. And most people overdo what they need to do because they want to keep their job. They want to do different than the other person. One thing to keep in mind, like you were saying, they're unvolunteering. So I was just saying a lot of those people who are paid salary who are like the higher ups, they hold a high position, so they get paid a real lot of money anyway, so at least that's a little bit better than the person who isn't making as much money, I was thinking. There's a really interesting classic example that's happening right now. I mean, let's take the current political predicament that the GOP has faced. Paul Ryan is doing something unheard of. Paul Ryan is saying, you all understand that I want time for my family. That's precedent setting. I have met people who earn on average between 80 to $85 million a year. They will be dead before they're 60. In their mind, it's worth working the way they work and how they work and trading their time and their health for money. In their mind, they're at peace with that. Their family and their friends are all suffering from it, but they don't care. Oh, right. I see so, what you're saying now. Yeah. There's no amount of money, folks, that I think you can pay one human being for one minute of their time. Not when you're taken from family time that you can't get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. Carl, if you were to meet just a handful of the couples that I've met on the seminars and 
retreats that I've done and how I really have been racked with pain because I so blew open their Pandora's box. For the first time in their life, they've recognized if they had done it all over again, instead of giving their children, boiling them rotten with all the financial stuff that they've been able to do, they would have scaled back tremendously so that their kids could know them and they could know their kids. Exactly. That's the problem with today's world. But what do we measure success? One of the skills that we use to measure, quote, success is how much money do you got in the bank? How much are you getting paid? Marsha, how much are you getting paid to take this? You're getting screwed, Marsha. You shouldn't be doing all you're doing for what you're doing and earning a piddly ass amount that you're get out of there this guy's a sham artist my work is not just based on money though that's the whole point exactly my work is based on so much more and that's what i mean by yes i would have this experience all over again and i am going to have it all over again because i'm continuing this journey no matter what, I'm going to find out what I'm made of. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. The reason why I'm excited about more teachers is because there are people that CD can reach, I will never reach. There are people that Agnes can reach, that I will never reach. That Carl, that David, that Kareem and Chris, that Shirley, there are people that you're going to be able to touch in a way that I will never, ever be able to do, right? Right. That's greatness right there. There's even more to it than that, Sol. One of the things about this whole model of pay me what I'm worth is that in the broader perspective, this is a movement. It's not just a course you can take. This exactly. is a movement. It's a movement. Exactly. And one of the things with our society, there's a lot so we can all talk about the ills and we can complain about how bad it is and, oh, the economy and, oh, the government and, oh, the new speaker of the house and crisis and, oh, my, we can go there. We can all get really wrapped up in all the problems in the world. And then we're part of the problem. What Pay Me What I'm Worth is a, is a model for teaching and learning and learning and teaching that's more of a social construct than it is a class. A book, it's a, a journey, it's and a, a lifestyle. cause. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's like a way to change the culture, the world mm-hmm. culture. What's really profound for me is to see that when people get this stuff, could you imagine teaching your kids to honor their worth when they're two and three years old? Bingo. And could you imagine, I can't wait for my kids to start getting this stuff through osmosis for me. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Yep. It's, it's going to start seeping into how they parent. It's going to start seeping into how they have relationships. It's going to seep into how they choose to have a career. It's going to seep into how they choose to associate with other people in and around them. It takes a little bit worldwide to have a tipping point, and we're starting to see those things. We're starting to see people starting to do things differently, do things outside of the box, unplug from the norms of our world society. And Timmy Wedding is part of that. It's a part of that change. It's a part of that movement. David, I appreciate this because one of the Team Clarity shows, a alumnus of Team Clarity told the team that her, Marsha, how old was her daughter? 
is your daughter like five or six? I believe six or seven. Six or seven years of age. She, right out of her mouth, something along, well, mom, you're going to get paid what you're worth or something like that. And I mean, by her own work, David, this woman's work with Femi, what I'm worth, is already getting into a seven-year-old. I'm like, I think that's the youngest I've heard of a student of Femi, what I'm worth, seven. That's pretty good. <laughs> awesome. This, the skill of being aware Ladies and gentlemen, as we put a bow on Chapter 3, I'd like you to reflect from where you started to where you're at now. If you were to score yourself on your level of self-awareness, how, and I'm making no assumptions, it may not have changed. It may have stayed the same. I'd like a quick roll call. If you feel comfortable, how would you score your sense of awareness from where you started to where you're at now? We'll start with Carl. Carl, how would you score yourself with your level of self-awareness from where you started to where you're at now? When I first started, I was because I really didn't think I was worth anything. I'd been trying so hard to do something online or do something in business, and I was saying to myself, am I worth anything at all? I post all this stuff. I do all this stuff. Am I worth anything at all? And as time went on, now... I see my self-worth has gone up to an eight. I feel like I have got a little bit more to fix as it's a journey. I've gained at least two on myself. That's where I'm at right now. It feels so great to be able to be liberated, to be able to tell everybody that, because I never was able to express it like that. I am making the assumption that being self-aware is a skill, first off. So let's get the assumptions on the table. That being self-aware is a skill. That is a key skill as far as I'm concerned in Chapter 3 is becoming more self-aware. Carl has set the range. It sounds like you've got a 0 to 10 scale, Carl. Yeah? Yes. All right. So Carl went from a 6 to 8. We'll jump now to Rick. Mr. Rick, what's your scale and has it changed? Yeah, I believe that it's changed and I've become more aware of myself and I've become more aware through Pay Me What I'm Worth that we are the political leaders of the world. Those people up there with the funny titles and the names and all like that, they are not the leaders of this world. We are the ones that are going out and changing people's consciousness one by one. Because the politics and the religions of the world have never been able to do this. We are far, far ahead of them. Pay Me What I'm Worth. So I say I went from an 8 to a 9. Woohoo! Cheryl. Well, I'm not sure on the number stuff, but I know that I have definitely seen much improvement on myself. I started in the same place I had been all of my life with very little self-worth, and each exercise that we have done, it's like climbing the rungs on the ladder. It just one step at a time, and I feel better each day, and I feel so much better about myself and everything that I've been able to take a lot of steps that I never was able to before just because I believe in myself through seeing all the skills that we looked at and talking to different people and it made me realize a lot of things. So I gained a lot. (laughs) Very good. David, how would you say your perception of yourself has changed or remained the same? Wow. 
That was an interesting question. And when you first asked, I felt like my self-worth, if the value I'm receiving from the world around me is a measure of my self-worth, then it's gone down. But that's not the truth. I realized that that was just a, that's a myth. <laughs> that's just not the truth. Because we have to measure our worth in so many different ways. And I think my awareness has grown a lot because I've removed a few more layers of an old stinky onion that needed to have some layers removed <laughs> to get more to a core and more to a fresh core, of more to a fresh explorer core. I've been known to have several layers of analyzer. And it's been a wonderful experience to peel away some of those layers of analyzer and get a little bit more like Dora the Explorer every day. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would say I've gone from, I rated myself, I believe when we first started, I rated myself kind of a seven as far as self-awareness. And I think it's now, it's getting close to a nine. It's getting real close. Cindy, if you were to have a scale, what would that scale be? And when it comes to self-awareness, how has your awareness of your own skill set, how has that awareness changed as far as your self-awareness? I'm going to say it's improved. Um, so I'm growing more spiritually, too. I feel like things are going to be changing for the better. Things will I'm going to be happier and more successful. And I would say probably kind of in between Cheryl and Carl, I'm probably about a, an eight now. I've gone up for maybe a six to an eight, like I would say Carl mentioned. Just out of curiosity, Cindy, as you're reflecting on that increase, is it due to your trusting your explorer more now? I think so. Yes, I believe so. Wonderful. I'm bringing that up, ladies and gentlemen, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you're beginning to now see the wisdom of trusting your explorer Because the analyzer would probably say, you're a what? Excuse me? (laughs) All right, Cindy, thank you. Kareem, what's your thoughts on this question of self-awareness since you started our journey? I would actually say I started maybe at a five or a four because I still have the bad habit of looking at an event, especially if it wasn't very positive trying to pick apart why me and how did it happen. And if I did A, B, and C, it could have been better. I quickly realized, one, that doesn't change it. And two, it's ineffective. I'm just feeling bad in the future when I could just have fun, see what's coming to me in the moment, being present, and enjoy the class, enjoy the power hour, enjoy my music and really stop thinking so much about what circumstances and what could have been, should have been. I would say I went from like a five to possibly either an eight or a nine. Because it happens very little bit now. Very little bit, I'll think, oh, I could have done this and that better, and then I'll just kind of switch that off. I don't think it'll ever completely go away in the sense that Maybe we still come equipped with an analyzer to solve (laughs) analytical problems. Of course. But if I'm not programming or doing mathematics or doing something that needs to be analytical, I say I should be out there being present, having fun, having a good time, really embracing what I do. And it's really helping my public speaking. So I hope with that I can 
even use this new awareness to become a distinguished Toastmaster. There you go. Nice. Wow. Nice. Kareem, thank you. Miss Agnes, you are definitely among us. I want to honor your notion of just absorbing versus verbalizing, but if you feel like verbalizing, the mic is in your hands. Well, I can say that a long ways to go, but I'm not sure. I'm a little bit confused between the, you're saying awareness and worth. I'm not sure about the worth part. I'm more aware of things that I'm doing and that I'm doing wrong or whatever. I can take up for myself more, I think. Don't let people run over me as much as I did. I don't know how that compares to worth, but I'm still confused about a lot of things that I'm trying to still sort out. I think a lot of it's got to do with the medication I'm taking. They're giving me something to keep me from worrying. Mm. I figured out recently it's also keeping me from thinking. Oh, okay. I called today and told them that I was going to try to cut down on that and that I was going to try to do without that because I didn't want it to start with because they, you know, it's like they think they can give you a pill for everything. Mm-hmm. So I told them that and they told me you have to do it slowly. You can't do it all at one time. So, because my memory or my actual thinking is more like I'm in a fog. Sometimes I have to really concentrate on something before I can really think about it. I feel like it's a medication. It may not be, but I'm going to find out. And the other thing is, maybe I've been a little too outspoken a time or two lately that I get to feel a little bit bad about it. Like I shouldn't have said what I did, but I said it anyhow. And I encourage more of it. Based on what Carl is bringing up, I think you and Carl, oh, for you to speak more of your wisdom, we'd all win. I love your wisdom, Agnes. Don't ever discredit yourself. You might think you have very little, but you have a lot more than you realize. I had this lady that I was thinking in my mind, she was supposed to be a friend of mine, and since I've been sick back in May, she knew I was sick. I didn't hear any more from her for about four months, and I was wondering that particular day, what would I say when she called? And that night, the phone rang, and it was her. And I didn't even think about it. She said, hey, it's been a while since I talked to you. How things going? And I just said, okay. And she said, well, I wanted to run something by you. She didn't ask me too much, and I said, what what is that? And she said, I wonder when something by you and Jeff, that's my son. We have this program now that I'm doing and we have all this insurance, we have car insurance, we have all this and I said, I'm not interested. I said, I don't drive anymore and my son I do have a vehicle but my son takes care of the insurance and everything on it. I get people to drive it for me. She said, Well we have house insurance. I said, Not interested. I said, I have my house insurance. I said, let me tell you something. She kept on, and she said, well, can I talk to Jeff? And I said, he doesn't take phone calls after 7 o'clock. I don't know if he does or not, but that's what I said. <laughs> she says, well, can you have him call me? I said, let me tell you something. I said, you know, I'm glad you called. I said, maybe to see how I was or whatever. I said, but I feel like that if you had picked up the phone at some point in the last four months and asked me how was I doing, how was things going, or even come by. I said, you don't live far away. I said, you come this way all the time. I said, 
that would have meant more to me than you calling me up and wanting to sell me some insurance of some sort. She didn't know what to say, of course. I said, you know, I'm glad you called <laughs> to see how I'm doing, but I just feel like that I've helped people, and I've done a lot for her over the years. Rented to her, didn't charge her much. She was going through a separation, and I just did things for her. I said, I feel like that some of my friends have let me down because now I'm not able to help them, and now they've let me down. She still didn't say much. So I said, I appreciate you calling. I wish you all the success that I can wish you, but I'm going to hang up now because I don't have anything else to say. And I hung up. That was great. I was feeling a little guilty, so I asked another one of my grandchildren, which is seven years old. I asked him, I said, what would you do if you had a friend that hadn't called you in four months and asked you how you're doing and you'd been sick and all that? And he said, was she a friend? And I got to thinking, was she a friend? I said, what would you have said? He said, well, at first I would have said in a nice way, I don't want you to call me anymore. I have nothing to say to you. And then he said, if she kept on saying something, and then he literally yelled it out. He said, I would say, did you hear me? And he said, I would say that until she <laughs> she let it be. I thought, well, he's got more sense than I have. And, uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, you did really good, Agnes. That's great to be able to stand up for yourself now. Well, that's... I'm going to lose her. I'm going to lose her. But according to my grandson, she probably wasn't a friend to start with. Well, you did it right. You did it with style. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So, Agnes, I, I... you said you're still confused about the concept of worth. You're demonstrating yeah. your worth by clearing the decks to having people you really want in your life, friends that you would call friends, you've now got the space for them to come in. Yeah? Well, i got to find them first. Well, you've got, I believe, eight of them here on the line. That, that little grandson is one. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I enjoy being with them. They just tell you like it is. I mean, they don't beat around the bush or anything. So, I mean, <laughs> the children have a lot of insight into things that we don't give them credit for. So, how's this sound, Agnes? Team Seekers gives you a permission to be a seven-year-old. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to be that. <laughs> Does that mean I don't have to go to work? <laughs> I'm not saying they're perfect because sometimes they don't want to do what they're told to do. But <laughs> yeah, Well, there's Kareem's example. Yep. That's a good kid. I actually think I'm going to be honest. Sometimes kids, it's good that they're rebellious because they find themselves in that. With regards to what you're saying, Agnes, I've had friends that say they're my friends, and then if I need help, they're a million miles away. But if they need help, they're calling me, can I borrow this, can I get that? And if I see that behavior, I don't really want to associate with that person. When the chips are down, you really find out who your buddies are. Exactly. Is it safe to say that Team Seeker's skill of discernment has gotten a thorough house cleaning. Boy, yes. Yes, yes. And we needed it. So Tanya had chimed in that my self-awareness has increased. I see that I have much more work than I first thought in the beginning. The first week I thought I was the queen of awareness, and now I find myself uncovering the hidden areas of worthiness. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, the plot 
thickens. Before I hand the baton off to Miss Marsha, I want to just again say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the hard work you're doing because all the ingredients that you have amassed with chapters 1, 2, and 3, you're about to pull it all together in chapter 4. Marsha, you want to share with folks your first brush with chapter 4 and then get them ready to get started on chapter 4? Chapter 4. My Worth Timeline. Ah, yes. That was so precious. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going to make sure you all understand. Chapter 4 is the most difficult chapter we have. So for a perspective... If you all think, well, Jesus Christ, soul, my God, I've already worked my ass off here in chapters one, two, and three, and now you tell us chapter, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take two months with chapter four. That's how important this chapter is. Chapter four is our journey out of the forest to the top of our mountains. Chapter four is the big picture time. Chapter 4 is beginning to look at literally everything that's happened so far in your life up until this second to out to 20 years from now. Just to give you a perspective. (laughs) (laughs) With Chapter 4 timeline, my worth timeline, no other exercises out there like this. This chapter, I have people doing workshops and retreats on all by itself. Every chapter in Pay Me What I'm Worth is a standalone workshop and retreat. Period. Marcia, when you first read even the introductory to chapter four, What were some of your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts were, I have never done a timeline of my life life before. Wow, this is going to be some chore. Honestly, that was one of the most important things that I ever did, was that timeline. It helped me to clearly see where I was, how I got to where I was, where I want to go, and how I am going to get to where I want to go, and and all the things that happened to me in between. And it helped me to remember moments in my life and actually take a look and explore it. In taking a look and exploring things, even the painful parts of my life, I'm actually able to explore them and get different perspectives some clarity, and not come at it from that point where I'm coming from a judge, a jury. It clearly opened my eyes, and it was so worth doing, so worth it. Incredible. So, yes, this next two months, as we work on our timeline, we will be able to be parts of ourselves that we never saw before. We will be able to get different perspectives about our life. 
we will clearly be able to see where our life is going from that point on. Talk about balance, you're going to really understand what is meant by giving and receiving and being in that balance and dancing with your divine self. To be able to dance with your divine self is a gift. That's the thing about you, Masha. You're bringing so much to the plate as you learn, you bring it to us. And it is just so incredible what you keep bringing to us. We really get a chance to feel your inner. And that's what I've been doing some studying on the inner self and the third eye. I've come up with some really amazing things about that third eye once it opens. We see a whole different perspective, and you found that inner third eye. And I want to congratulate you on finding that. Most don't find it to that part. Most stop thinking that's all there is. Congratulations. So, so that's why I so encourage everyone to really really get in touch with those feelings. And don't be afraid. No more fear. We signed that contract. No fear. Let's really explore everything about ourselves because this is our chance to know ourselves, to know what we're made of, to know if we want to change our ways, to know everything about ourselves is so divine, to be able to take a look at what's coming up for us, to be able to plan our life. Let the divine guide us. That is such a wonderful feeling. I feel so excited when I think about what my life is going to be like 10 years from now. Wow. I can release it all, and I can just give it all to my inner self and let my inner self be my guide. I really like what you're saying because for once in my life, I feel pay me what I'm worth is where I'm supposed to be. I feel happy. I feel a sense of like I want to get on these calls as opposed to maybe when I was in other programs. I was getting on the calls mainly because I felt I had to like an obligation. And someone's like, are you getting on them? Almost like a homework assignment. This doesn't feel like work, so it feels good. Let me tell you something. This is such a grand movement that we are in. I mean, can you imagine that we can help people change what they're feeling, change what they're in? We can help people. This grand movement can change the world. Don't you wish they had it 20 years ago? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I would no, be, or more I, than that, 40 years ago. <laughs> you know, really? my have been totally different, wouldn't have they? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I know they could have. Definitely. My perspective, I would have understood so much more. I would have had that clarity years ago. And imagine where that would have taken me years ago if I started this. Years ago. That's why I feel happy I started this in the power hour. Because I really know now that I'm doing something definitive. It's not somebody else's journey anymore. It's my own. I think that's one of the things that takes some stress away 
that you're actually doing something for yourself. You know that you're working on yourself and moving forward. I have really felt that that's lifted a certain type of stress away because I know I'm getting better and being able to do more stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And we're integrating. See, right now, as we do these exercises, we are integrating into our work and balance and giving and receiving and what does that all mean to us. And that's huge because how many people out there don't understand that a life experience can add to your worth, your wisdom? Of course it can. Oh, my gosh, everything that we do is learning in some way, shape, form, or manner. Yes, and it is. And if we can see that, how much further along does our conscious mind go? And well, does it sink into your heart? Because that's your being. Do you yeah. allow your divine self to guide you? How many people out there do we know that don't know any of this? Too many. Yeah. Many of them need it, too. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anybody it wouldn't benefit, really. Like oxygen. They need oxygen. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, with the way society is, in this day and age, well, I imagine it's always beat people up, but the way it beats people up and just knocks them down, and it just peels the self-worth away from them. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody can use the positive reinforcement and growth within themselves. I think a lot of people in society have succumbed to dogma, and they do something else because somebody, and I was in this case, they do something else because somebody told them, this is the right path, this is the right way, they don't really look at their own worth. They say, like, for example, go to college, just get a job, and don't like it, you do like it. It's something that this is the way it is. And they're very static in the way they approach their worth, very static in the way that they approach life even. If we can break some of that rigidness up, if we can show them there's a different way, and there's a different possibility that you can find your own worth doing what you love and not only being not afraid to charge people for your skills but helping others do the same, then you'll really have a revolution. You are so right, Kareem. You are so right. We will have such a revolution if people would just slow down and think what they're worth. I mean, if society programs you that you're, you start off as a child, you've got to have the money or you can't have certain things. And then uh-huh. as time goes on, you get an education. They say, go get an education to go get a job. And then you get a job, and that job is not enough. So that's the trouble with the story about the poor people and the middle class and the rich people. The poor people are poor and they buy things. The middle-class people, they overspend what they earn, so they're lower than the poor folk because they owe more. Okay? And then there's the rich people that are smart enough, so they reinvest. Have anyone ever thought about the richness you have in your life right now? Not until I got here. 
No, I didn't. <laughs> There's that divine richness. We are all in. We're all connected to it. Let's go out there and share our story. Because our experiences, the people in our lives, the people we want to meet in our lives, that is our story. This is our whole story here. The people whose lives we want to enrich, we want to have them in our lives, that's our story. I think the majority of people don't know their worth because they're trapped in that paradigm of buying things they don't like with money they don't have to impress people that they yes. don't really care about. They're making trade-offs because that's what they choose. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your brilliance and your perspectives. I sure appreciate learning from you. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Call me at 617-833-9721 or simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. I'll be sure to share your comments with all team seekers. Remember, you're welcome to reach out to anyone in this class. Click to bit.ly forward slash team seekers to learn more about each person you just heard on this show. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? Call me at 617-833-9721 to learn how to join a new class. We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.